folks, Ben Sellers with another edition of Preaching Pistons at Freak.com. And the guest for today's edition of the podcast is Pistons Associate General Manager, Pat Gary. How you doing, Pat? I'm great, Vince. Thanks for having me. Good, good. He's in here fresh from being in Brooklyn last night. But before uh, we get into the nitty-gritty of basketball, I got to ask Pat, a proud, proud Notre Dame graduate, What's up with the Fighting Irish? Ran over by Texas, ran over by Michigan State and Duke. Talk about an overrated program. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I, I can't get into, to, well, I don't even think they call them X's and O's in football, do they? I don't know what they call them, but. X's and O's, that's uh, yeah, one of them. Yeah, yeah that's so part I'm of not, them. They got X's and O's running yeah, around. Yeah, I guess so. so remember the, the, there was a, actually a. Uh, a video game like a rolling track ball. You might remember oh, it with the ball. X, <laughs> an X ball where you tackle the guy with an X and a, so they are X's and O's in football. So yeah, but not you know I'm not a football guy, so it's hard for me to give any in depth analysis. But I, I do know that this is a time of great joy for all the Notre Dame haters to to come out and ask me the question that you just asked me. So yeah, I, you know, end of the season they got still games to play. Hopefully they can turn it around. Hopefully we can stop some people. Get the scores down, maybe maybe into the low twenties rather than giving up <laughs> high thirties a game. But uh, yeah, it was a disappointing season, I think, for everyone there because there were high hopes for uh, you know with some of the his quarterback intrigue and all that kind of stuff. You're not a football guy, but do you? If you're at home and the TV's on, do you make a point to watch the games though? No, absolutely. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I, I watch every Notre Dame game, and my sure. son is a huge Notre Dame fan, and. Yeah, we get we get mad together and yell at the TV, even though neither of us probably know what we're talking about. <laughs> when you played uh, basketball um, there, and obviously uh, the Notre Dame mystique and all that stuff, is it something that you really appreciate when you're there and really get when you're there at Notre Dame? Yeah, you do, but you know, at the same time, you're an 18 year old kid, and I don't think you appreciate anything for for really, you know, what it's worth and how much you should. And it's more after you're done, um, and you realize the you know, the relationships and the impact that those have on your life, kind of in your into your adult life and your professional life. Sure. Um, so that's more the thing. I try to keep good relationship with the university and go mm-hmm. back as much as I can um, because it is a special place. Sure, sure. And it's funny, you're in this professional basketball business, so in a way you're subject to fans' displeasure, decision-making process, but... As a fan, some, one of the funniest things I find is a coach or a general manager or a front office personnel, they'll be defensive about their own job prospects, but then get them talking about their favorite team. Oh, everybody should be fired. <laughs> Are you that type of guy that no, want everybody fired when no, things are going bad? Not at all, because I've, you know, I've been through it, and there's, there's just times where it, you, you put players together and a team together, and it just doesn't work, and it gets off to a bad start, and it just gets worse. And some of the times it is the coach. A lot of times it's the players. Probably not often enough that you know teams don't change the players as quickly as they change the coach. Uh, but no, I try. You know, and I got great respect for the, the amount of work, just all the coaches I've been around that goes into trying to do it. And and so I'm not going to be one out there leading the charge for you know fire the defensive coordinator I after the first game. Charge for no. privately when you're watching the game on TV, like they ought to get rid of that bomb. Get rid of that bomb. <laughs> You're not that guy? No. Not okay, that guy gotcha. At all. Just check it. No. Just check it. Something tells me your son may tell a different story. But <laughs> I digress, and we're going to move on to uh, the, the matter in hand basketball. We are talking after uh, the Pistons preseason opener. 
They lost at Brooklyn. Pat was there in his capacity as associate general manager. I am not one to make a big deal out of preseason results. I don't. Um, if you read the um, you might read something I write, and I might barely mention what, what actually happened, what the actual score of the game was. Uh, but you were there. What are your takeaways from the first uh, preseason game last night? Well, my takeaways are that we have the potential to be a pretty powerful offensive team when we're sharing the ball and we can play different ways and when the ball's moving. We're not good when the ball stops and we have you know, individuals creating shots for themselves. Uh, defensively, again, we have the potential to play different ways and to, to switch a lot on the perimeter and cover for each other. Um, but you can do, you can talk about that all you want, but if you don't have the effort there and you don't have guys playing extremely hard for the whole game, any team, you know, Brooklyn with their reserves, with guys who are trying to make the team, you know, put it to us last night. I saw. And, and they had they had guys basically fighting for their careers out there. In they, when they came in the game, it was evident. And, you know, I thought at certain points, particularly I think in the third quarter and then a little bit in the fourth quarter, um, you know, we were trying to think and execute, but the the effort was, I think, uh, you know, a secondary concern. It's because it seemed like you're, if you look at the box score, again, I didn't see the game and everything because I was not there. And I decided not to pay $200 for league pass to watch it. Uh, so, uh, but I was uh, watching it, uh, looking at the box score, you could see that, you know, start to, to start a scoring with either Pistons were ahead or slightly ahead or whatever. But the bench points were really substantially in favor uh, of the Nets and stuff. So, um, their bench basically probably outplayed your reserves probably by a wide margin. Is that just looking at the box score? Did well, a, a little bit, but there was that stretch in the third quarter where it was starters against starters, and I think we were minus 10 in the first six minutes there of you the go. third. Um, you know, so that wasn't a, a bench thing there. And look, you know, preseason, a lot of times you're focusing on what you did in practice the week before. There's not as much game planning for what they're doing in particulars of, like, getting into how you're playing certain guys. So you know, that's going to come along with the season and you'd expect you to be able to handle situations, you know, differently when you're defending them. Sure. Um, but I think, you know, if you would ask Danny, the coaches giving up mm -hmm. how many points we gave up in the first half. It was just, and I know they're shooting 60% well into the yeah, and uh, a lot, first half. Yeah, and shot the three well and got a lot of, of open threes because we were getting sucked in and then they were kicking it out, finding guys, and we were like to close out. So, you know, again, first game, and those are all things that we're going to be working on and focusing tomorrow and the rest of preseason and probably into the well into the regular season. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I don't want to dwell on uh, the game last night, but there's one thing I do want to ask you about, and obviously I didn't watch the game, but is there a level of adjustment with – you know, Ish playing, you know, a lot with the bench guys and suddenly he's in the starting lineup and now Ray McCallum or Lorenzo Brown steps into the into the uh, role playing primarily with the bench guys. Is there an adjustment period there? Oh, sure. I, you know, I think one of the biggest areas of adjustment is just the, you know, the fact that Ish plays with a ton of pace, but Ish is out there to distribute the ball and create shots and opportunities for everyone else. Reggie is a great offensive creator for himself and people – play off of him by space in the floor and the, the pace is a little bit more deliberate just because of the way he plays. So I think that's a big adjustment. Uh, yeah, and then the thing that you mentioned, there's a big difference. Ray, uh, you know, a guy who with Lorenzo is battling for that third point guard spot. All of a sudden you're playing rotation back of minutes 
with you know part of the starting unit at some time in bench. So that's all things that they're going to have to really pick up quickly with um, with Reggie missing a little bit of time there. If you guys missed it, uh, Reggie has a left knee tendonitis issue that they're still unsure of how long he'll be out, but uh, Stan said at least two weeks, and potentially he could miss some of the part of the regular season. So that's one of the things we're still waiting on to get word from. But anyway, back to you, um, which is why, why you're here. Um, Pat brings 10 years NBA experience to the job, shot nearly 40% from three-point line during a pro where outside shooting was nowhere as emphasized as it is now. I looked this up on Basketball Reference. Uh, you made $22 million during your playing career. Uh, you think you, that's a, does that, that surprise you? Well, the government <laughs> took a lot of dollars. <laughs> but when you see the salaries nowadays, do you, is there a part of you that wishes you, that thinks you were born too soon? No, and I deliberately don't do this because I can remember when, when I was a rookie and there was free agency the first time that I went through it where there were guys at the end of their careers that – thought the same thing and everyone you know everyone benefits at their time like we're all lucky to play this game um it, it's a great time to be an NBA player right now just because of the success of the business and that's being a lot of people are benefiting from that and players but no I'm never one of those guys that looks back and said back when back when I played we didn't have all this food at the hotel back when I played we didn't <laughs> You so don't I, do the whole, you walk to school in the <laughs> snow, uphill, barefoot, uh, three miles every day. You don't do that kind of thing? Nah, man, because I'm, I'm happy for these guys sure. for what they're doing. Because sure. you just see how much work goes into it and how, you know, to make it, how how special you have to be. Because the one thing that is different now is just the, the level of preparation at a very early age with these guys. I sure. think the guys are much more in tune with their diets and how they're taking care of themselves. And so all the work that they've put in, much earlier than probably, you know, I did when I was playing or people who were my age or, or older. Sure, sure. Um, but, you know, think about it. You know, $22 million, you know, that would have been one contract for you probably <laughs> nowadays and, or heck, maybe even two years of a contract or three years of a contract. I don't think you've thought about it hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do know whether or not you, you know, you get one of those contracts or not, when it's done, it, it sounds like you'll be happy if you are set and you just don't have to do anything and, and don't have to go to work. Um, but you're not. After a year, it's like, what am I doing? And, um, you, you know, you realize how special a thing it is to be part of the NBA. And that was for me coming back and being able to have a chance to be a part of this. Sure. Uh, it's the you know happiest I've been since I've retired of, of being back in this with the people mm. who are here. Wow. That, that I'm working with and these guys. So it's um yeah, it's a good it's a it's a good profession to be in. Sure, sure. Well that's kind of a nice segue. Um you also bring a unique perspective to the NBA front office. You know, MBA MBA from Duke University's Fuqua School of Business. Then you went on to work for uh, hedge fund in Connecticut. Uh, how does that experience, brief business experience, translate to what you're doing now with the Pistons? Well, I think that probably the main thing is, um, you know, whether it's business school or then in the professional life, like you, like just, just working with other people in a professional environment, you don't do that when you're a player. Like it's, it's a different type of professional environment. Like you're a player, you have a player schedule, then you go home. 
Um, there's, you know, just working in groups, it's different than like getting front office type work done in sure. groups. Uh, you know, so the, all of those things that I think people who have careers take for granted just because it's always been how they work, you don't get that as a player. So that in particular was, was a helpful thing to me for, you know, the five years or so that I was away from the game. Um, and then, you know, particularly in the industry that I was in, there was not a ton of crossover that you can apply. But there is kind of the, you know, way of thinking and problem solving that comes with, you know, working, you know, an investment management firm and having to explain to clients what's going on with your business and mm -hmm. thinking through how to explain things. Um, you know, you have to do that in any job. You have to, if you want to have, you have an idea you're trying to sell, you think there's a problem you have to fix, you have to sell it to people to get buy-in and execute it. And um, So, like, learning how to do all of those things. It, I would have never had that experience if that I had just been relying on my playing career. Sure, sure. Well, I, to touch upon what you just said, I would imagine uh, hedge fund, uh, business school concepts that you're dealing with, um, sometimes the uh, information that you're trying to, to, uh, to convey can be dense, and your job is to simplify it where a lot of people can understand it. Um, and I... Being able to communicate, I guess, would translate even any profession you're in, including like mine, including uh, no, basketball. That, that's absolutely right. I mean, the, one of the worst things that you can do is take something complex and then make it even more complex by not like clearing away the unnecessary stuff and breaking it down into like the simple concepts and going back to your principles and things like that. And that's a, a great point you made, of, you know, because I think that there's a lot of times that you can. You know, you can make things overcomplicated in this business with what you're trying to do in transactions or in trades and things like that. And the ability to kind of go up to a higher level and break it down to the things that are important, explain, get buy-in, get everyone to kind of think in the same way. You're, you make a great point. Sure, sure. Um, Pat was recently promoted to associate general manager where he stood on the organizational chart behind Stan Van Gundy and Jeff Bauer. Tell the listeners specific areas of focus that may be different now than what you were doing previously um, when you were, I can't forget your title. What was your title? The again? Director of Strategic Planning. There you go. <laughs> that was kind of a new type of MBA type of job, and I could not, it wasn't a general manager, and it wasn't Scott, it was something else. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a director of basketball operations, it was a director of strategic planning. So tell us, how has your job changed in that regard? Well, one of the things I picked up when Ken Catanella left was... Ken Catanella, former assistant GM, kind of in charge of analytics? Analytics in the cap. So the cap. I, pick, I picked up um, a lot of the cap stuff that he's doing along with Andrew Loomis, who's our chief of staff. So gotcha. you know, he and I work together on that. He's got a ton of experience just from his time in Golden State and in New Orleans. Um, and then I'm also... Uh, Working with the guys in analytics, not as, as closely as Ken was because we have, you know, another gentleman who was a sophomore engineer who was promoted director of analytics, Jorge gotcha. Costa, um, who we have a, a team of two other guys with him, Zach Bradshaw and Aaron Blackshear, who we just hired. Uh, and so the work with them is more in terms of priority setting and, and kind, of, kind of keeping an eye on what is the most important thing that we need to then go and have those guys execute. Gotcha. And then the final piece is the scouting piece. So... You know, following the league, knowing where we were, players, you know, strategies for getting things done, that was part of what I was doing before. Um, but probably a more heavy scouting burden now, both college and in the NBA. I shouldn't call it a burden. I mean, it's more um, workload. You know, you know, you know workload of, of, you know, really 
digging in and knowing the players now from a deeper level than I was before. So will you be like making trips and stuff like to scout games and to scout colleges? Yes. Stuff, stuff? Yes. So you know the plan, you know, kind of early on, focus on preseason, the NBA, and then when the college conference schedules get going, shift focus a little bit toward that. And so you're doing that and preparing for the trade line and free agency kind of all in that same period around All-Star break going into the off-season. Sure, sure, sure. Is it, what are the, the scouting aspects, is that something you enjoy about this job? I mean, or is it or is it something that it's a job function that you have to do just to get to do the job well, I guess? No, or, it's, or, the, or it's, it, it's such a huge part of the job, and I've enjoyed it. And I haven't done it before um, to the level that a lot of these guys who have been scouts for years and years have, so I'm still learning a lot about it. Learning a lot, you know, what to look for, um, you know, even some of the, like, the softer things that you're trying to find out what a guy is like outside of his basketball skill set. It's oh, yeah, you got to pick up on your, uh, your uh, detective skills. The, yeah, you're, yeah, and the whole, like, there's so much of these guys that have been doing it for years and years, it comes natural to them that, um, you know, you have it to some extent because you've played with, like, I've played with a number of different guys. You see things that you kind of recall former guys that you've played with were a certain way, and that that's helpful from like providing context. But um, it, it's going to take me a little bit of time. But sure. I really, to answer your question, I, I do enjoy because that's the whole key to this business, right? Is getting the right group of guys together that can work and play well together and grow together. Okay, well, I've take, taken up enough of Pat's time, uh, so I'm going to let him get out of here. Um, but that's it, folks. Thanks to Pat for joining us. Hopefully he comes back after my uh, my uh, having fun at his expense uh, at the plight of the Notre Dame football program. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of Preaching Pistons. Check out the podcast at free.com or iTunes. Download Michigan.com's Pistons app, Pistons Extra. That's extra with an X at the Apple App Store. See you at the Palace.